dear, emphasis on dear, D-E-E-R, oh my dear lord, the Bucks, baby. The Bucks don't stop here. Never once did I not think the Bucks weren't going to win that game. Rowdy, did you doubt it at all? Did you doubt it at all last night? Not once. Not a single time. Did we doubt that the Bucks would take down the uh, the Celtics at TD Garden to get one game away from a win to Eastern Conference Finals? Oh, my God, Rowdy. Actually, I'm a terrible liar. <laughs> I thought they were done for sure. I thought they were done, too, with, like, uh, what, about midway through the fourth. Uh, hell, even with maybe about two minutes, Al Horford comes down with a vicious put-back dunk with about two minutes and six seconds left in the ball game, and the TD Garden is just absolutely rocking. It was crazy. And then the Bucks said, you know what? No, no. It would be Yansa Dendekumbo Rowdy hitting a three-pointer, of all things, getting it done. A 27-footer assisted by Wesley Matthews to start bringing the Bucks a little closer. They're down by three. And then Jason Tatum would miss a jumper. Giannis with a defensive rebound. Bobby Portis would then miss a driving layup, though, would get the offensive rebound, miss a tip-in. Jalen Brown would get it. It would be a crazy. Then Drew Holiday, Rowdy, would hit a three-pointer to tie it at 105 apiece. The Boston Celtics would then have to collect themselves. Jason Tatum would have to hit two free throws. And then Giannis Adenakumbo would go hit two free throws. And then Rowdy... It was our guy, Mr. Goggles. Bobby Portis Rowdy with the insane offensive rebound off the Giannis Adendakumo miss free throw to put the Bucks up, and then Drew Holiday would take over from there. What a game. Was it really Bobby Portis, or was it the fact that Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown bump into each other, knocking each other both off, of course, and Bobby or, uh, Bobby Portis is like, thank you, I'll take this and put He's it like, back. Hey, right place, right time. Bobby Portis was talking about after the game how his mom told him to go out there and be the garbage man when it comes to the offensive boards. Just be the garbage man. Collect all the trash. And then speaking of uh, speaking of some trash, uh, the flopping was pretty annoying from from Marcus Smart. But Marcus Smart at the end of the game would really just lose composure. Drew Holiday would take over after Bobby, be honest, then Nakumbo, then Bobby Portis. Off to help, Connaughton's beat Drew Holiday. Not only the block, but the presence of mind to throw the ball off of Smart. Possession, Milwaukee. Wow. So you would have that rowdy. Drew Holiday after Marcus Smart just obliterates Pat Connaughton uh, with a little basketball move, goes to the rack. Drew Holiday comes out of nowhere with a vicious block, grabs the ball, throws it off of Smart. The Bucks then retain possession, and a little later as the dying seconds are ticking off, it would be Drew Holiday once again doing it with his defense. Here, take another listen. That has been defined by great. And he validates the confidence Mike Budenholzer showed in him. And then great defensive plays down the stretch. Marcus Smart takes it, Rowdy. Half court, seals it for the Milwaukee Bucks. They get a win, 110 to 107. That right there, instant classic. Wow. What that a was, game. That was totally robbery. <laughs> yeah. The, there is no business the Bucks should have won that game, but we'll take it. We'll take it all day. And they kept they kept throwing up that reminder the entire game. 82% of teams that win game five win the series in NBA best of seven history. Yep. And Bucks and six still lives on in the ether rowdy because game six is tomorrow night at the Pfizer form. If the Bucks win, they go to the Eastern Conference. Finals. And then did you see some of those details coming out about Chris Middleton, how they think that they are very, according to sources, there's a very, very strong possibility, and this was before game five, yeah. that Chris Middleton could be ready for game six or seven. You'd have to think you keep him on the shelf for game six, right? Yeah, I was going to ask you, if the, if the Bucks lose last night, do they play Chris Middleton in game he's, six? He's probably forced into action. Yeah. No, I, I feel like they he won. would have a, a hard time, even if he could give you five minutes being kept out of that game. Yeah. Uh, if they won, which they did, I don't know if we'll see Chris Middleton tomorrow night, but if they were to lose last night, I would imagine we'd see Chris Middleton at the Pfizer uh, on Friday. It is pretty incredible that um, about a week ago, you could watch the warmups for Bucks Celtics when they were in uh, Boston the last time. Yeah. 
and Chris Middleton is warming up in the corner, hardly taking any jump shots. I mean, he's getting maybe an inch off the ground. He's got a bag of ice on his knee. He does not look comfortable. He does not look like he wants to do much more than hardly shoot the basketball. And he's a guy that, uh, I guess if you were a Bucks fan going into game five, you were hoping maybe he's back for game six or, or game seven. Oh, for sure. Yet you have a guy like Zion Williamson who's doing 360 <laughs> dunks and dunks between the legs. It was like 300 pounds. That the Pelicans still said, nah, you can't play. No. And Reggie Miller's like screaming on the broadcast. If I can see a guy do that, I've played in this league. Yeah. You can give me at least 20 minutes. Yeah, totally, dude. And even, um, even Zion Williamson and his people are like, hey, I'm 110%. I'm good to go. I'm good to play. Like, no. And the Pelicans played a, a no. very, um, they played a, 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 a very series. competitive series with the Phoenix Suns, who were the one seed. Yeah, totally. The, the, the Pelicans were the 10 seed entering the and play they said, tournament. They said, Zion, no, nope. no, not for you. You average like in the mid 20s in, in your career, but nah, we yeah. don't need it. Chris Middleton, though. Hey, we could be thinking you'd be coming back for game six, possibly a game seven if there is one. Uh, very nice, though, because, you know, so many comments to get to from Giannis, Drew Holiday, uh, Mike Budenholzer. Giannis was asked after the game if they can, you know, if they if they actually miss Chris Middleton. He scoffed at it and said, yeah, we want Middleton back and we want him back bad. We we do have to do a wellness check at some point today Pauly? to see if our resident Boston Celtics and Pauly yeah. has stopped crying because um, see, I, I got to check the messages because we're in a we're in a little we're in a, we're, Rowdy and I are in a couple different uh, groups here with uh, listeners and friends of the show and whatever. We talk our sports. Uh, Paulie going through it, man. Uh, the NBA is gross. The NBA is a joke. Um, it, poor Paulie. We'll have to. We'll do a wellness check on Paulie. Uh, I think he might be listening already. So Paulie, if you're listening, we need a wellness check on your brother. And also, we need a hype train, a hype check on our Milwaukee Bucks fans. Oh my God! The, I had a. I didn't know how I was going to get to sleep last night. I was after watching that game, Rowdy, because there was a point. Uh, well, they were up by 14, the Boston Celtics. were up by 14 points in the fourth quarter. There was a moment there, and it's kind of similar to game number four, when I said to myself, le- leading into the fourth quarter after the third quarter had ended, that I'm like, oh my God, the Bucks are manhandling the Celtics. The Bucks are going to run away with this one. The Bucks got this. There was a point, I will admit this, in the fourth quarter when the Bucks were down by 14 points, uh, that I said to myself, oh, God, the Boston Celtics are going to run away with this thing. I don't know how the Bucks are going to do this. And then, again, it's the NBA. Anything is possible in the fourth quarter. You just got to wait, wait it out, see what happens. And, wow, we were uh, given a classic. One of the greatest games I think I'd ever seen, Rowdy. I think I'm with you, though, when the Al Horford had that put-back dunk. That was two where minutes. He, that was yeah, two he, minutes. He came kind of out of nowhere from, like, the, the three-point line and dunked it. Yeah. That was kind of like... Ooh. I thought that was like if, if they the Wayne got, Larravee dagger, if you will. Yeah, if they could have got a stop there and then all of a sudden came back down and hit a big bucket, you're like, okay, maybe they can do something. But when he stuffed it, I, I was with you. I thought, oh. And I was like, oh, God, this is not good. Uh, but I knew the the moment that I was given big life, as obviously the Bucks were whittling away, chiseling away. Um, they outscored the Boston Celtics big in the fourth quarter. But as they were whittling away, uh, the Boston Celtics lead. It was that Giannis Adenakumbo was first three-pointer, where I was just like, oh, no. Because, you know, the t- time was ticking down. Giannis takes the ball. I think there was a little, like, someone kicked it back out, and Giannis happened to be there, and he just pulls up for this three. I was like, oh, God, no. And Stan Van Gundy in the broadcast even said that, too. Like, the Boston Celtics, and he switches it. Giannis, Giannis hit it. It was the first three of the series. Stan Van Gundy said, what did he say? He's like, yep. That's not a good shot. Boston Celtics will let Giannis take that all the time. That's not a good possession for the deer. I know he scored, but not a good possession. And I'm like, yeah, I agree with you, Van Gundy. And then what did Giannis do a little later? Hit another effing three-pointer to, well, I mean, to get it within two for the deer. Technically, two for five from behind the arc, but none bigger than that one at the end of the game. Yeah. But I'm, I was with Stan Van Gundy, so too. Was I. The first... Two, three times he pulled up, it was like he had just dribbled it up the court. Yeah. The Bucks had just gotten down in that half-court set, and then he just pulls up, and it was like, what, what are you doing? doing? You're literally just, you might as well just chalk it up as a turnover. Yeah, but then, swish. And it's, I think Van Gundy said it best, too. It's that, no, 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 yes! Yes, Giannis! What a game, man. It was one for the ages. Uh, incredible. Absolutely incredible. Just a bunch of thieves in Milwaukee. Yep, it's just nice, dude. 
Uh, we'll get the comments. Drew Holiday talking about being down 14 and them all coming together. Him hitting the tying three pointer with 43 seconds left. Well, that's the thing. You look at you look at how everybody played. Obviously, Giannis played pretty well. Now, again, he did turn the ball over quite a bit again last night. But mm-hmm. everyone the, in the Bucks was for the most part. He was efficient. He hit a few, a couple threes, had 40 points, double-digit rebounds. Just the freak. No one, like Bobby Portis was missing a ton of baskets. Now, yeah. yes, he grabbed that rebound at the end where Smart and Brown bump into each other, and he's like, thank you, I'll take this and I'll put it in. Yep. But uh, outside of maybe Pat Connaughton, a lot of the guys weren't shooting the ball very well. No. Grace, Grayson Allen was getting... Taken out behind the woodshed on defense. Oh, they were coming at him and they, coming at oh, him hard. They were exposing him. Yeah, but Drew Holiday had a hell of a last five five minutes. Oh, that 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 was the ultimate redemption for Drew Holiday because he was he was pretty bad until that, that fourth th- quarter. They hit that three. He had the block, and then he had the wherewithal to throw the ball to Marcus Smart. Then he had the steal again to Marcus Smart. He was Drew Holiday was everything and more. That you could want for and wish and want for for the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis forty points, and then at the I mean Bobby Portis coming up big at the end too. It was just clutch play after clutch play, championship caliber uh, level play from the Milwaukee Bucks in the final two minutes after the Al Horford put back dunk rowdy. That's so Al Horford got said he got all pissed off and inspired when Giannis mean mugged him. I think the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, picked themselves up and got inspired after Al Horford with that. I mean, it was a sick dunk from Al Horford. That was that was awesome. The TD Garden was absolutely just juiced and rocking. But that right there, when Horford threw it down, I think that inspired the Bucks to be like, "All right, let's go, baby! What a game! Absolutely incredible, dude! I just I can't say enough of how I was there at the the edge of the cliff, ready to jump with the Bucks. I thought we were going to lose." to now us being jubilant, 110 to 107, one win away from the finals, Eastern Conference finals. Yeah, and yesterday when we were talking about the matchup leading up to game five, I kept saying so far in this series, every single time the Milwaukee Bucks had to answer the bell, they have. Game one in the TD Garden, they came in, won the game. Game three to take the lead, they came in, won the game. And now in game five, the all-important game five, as they continue to flash the 82% 82% of NBA teams that win game five go on to win the series in NBA history for best of seven. Yeah. Or remember, um, cause you were, you were upset with the, uh, must win. So well, I said, okay. this is I a, a, question for you. a win to quote unquote, lead the dance again. <laughs> the bucks have won all three games to quote unquote, lead the dance. Well, Rowdy, I'm glad you brought up the must win. I'm going to go out. I'm going to go out on a big far limb. Now, a lot of lazy radio hosts, and a lot of low IQ people want to, you know, have this must-win conversation. I'm ready to join it, Rowdy. Uh, question: Six zero eight three two one sixteen seventy. Is Friday night at the Pfizer Forum a must-win for the Milwaukee Bucks? Oh, I was going to. I, no, <laughs> I was sar- going to. That's sarcasm, by the way. I was going to reverse that and say, we can't is lose game. No, no, no. Is game six a must-win for the Boston Celtics? <laughs> A Boston Celtics fan, 608-321-1670. As Rowdy just said, is game six tomorrow night at the Pfizer Forum a must win for your C's? Let us know. <laughs> I mean, this is the dumbest topic ever. But anyways. From the from the edge. It's like uh, Scott Stapp in the song. I'm six feet from the edge and I'm thinking maybe six feet ain't too far down. Thinking to myself, I'm standing on the edge, Rowdy and RJ. I was about to jump after Al Horford's putback dunk with two minutes and six seconds left. I thought that was the Wayne Larrabee, there's your dagger, as the TD Garden just rocking. Place was going bananas, B-A-N-A-N-A-S. And I said to myself, I got real quiet. The Bucks are going to lose this thing, aren't they? And then Giannis Nakumo says, hang on a second, watch this. I'm going to shoot a three. And we're all going to go, no, 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 no. And then Bobby Portis with a big, well, how about Giannis Kubo also scoring a free throw when it mattered the most? Now, he yeah. missed the second one. But Bobby Portis but came up. Bobby Huge. Portis, the garbage man. His mom, after the game, he did say that his mom told him to be the garbage man. That's what, uh, clean up the trash. That's what Barry Richter would call a greasy goal. And I think Bear's listening right now. We, we love you. We miss you, Bear. That was a little greasy bucket from but Bobby yeah, Portis. you got to get him in here for a Stanley Cup date. Yeah, hey Bear, if you're listening, brother, get, we gotta we gotta get together and talk a little Stanley Cup. 
Uh, your NHL knowledge is a fountain over here. Is well, I'm just a little puddle. It's when been it comes pretty to exciting it. so far. Yeah, did Sidney Crosby been, get knocked out last night with a head injury? Did I see? So I wasn't paying attention because I was watching the Bucks game. Anyways, back to the Bucks <laughs> game, and it was Bobby Portis with a big rebound. And Rowdy, you're totally right. It was Bobby Portis, right time, right place. Because oh, big time! Because the two jabronis <laughs> ran into each other. You gotta, you gotta tip your hat to Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown who knock into each other, and and Bobby Portis is like, "Thank you, yeah, Marcus Got Smart." It. More like Marcus Dumb on that play. It's like <laughs> you know, how, like back in the day, and you're playing like uh, twenty one with some buddies, like out at a you know park or in someone's driveway. Yeah, and two guys are getting kind of physical, and they kind of knock each other both out of the play, and you're like, "Oh, rebound!" Yeah. Looks like look, I'm shooting free throws now. Got it. So Bobby That's Portis. What Bobby Porter's with a big putback, and then Drew Holiday. Well, Drew Holiday had a big time three pointer in there as well. Yeah. Oh, that was before the Bobby Portis, you know, putback. And then at the end of the game, Drew Holiday takes over with the defensive prowess that he oh, has. I mean, they block. I'm I'm gonna put both the block and the block. Then they grab the ball and throw it off a of smart. That that's on par with that steely head in the finals. I think oh, it was yeah, Charles totally. Barkley that said. Uh, that was the best block he's seen in a long time, especially from a guard. Well, yeah. and, and, and then the steal at the end uh, with tickets, the, the seconds ticking off there on Smart again. Like, Smart got totally exposed at the end of that game. Like most blocks now, it's a guy trying to put it as far into the crowd as he can. Mm. And, you know, you give possession back to the the shooting team. What's yeah. What's the point of the block then? You're supposed to block it to get it to your team. Oh, you want to make a top RJ's, 10, RJ? RJ's a big Bill Russell guy. I am. Since we're talking about the Celtics. <laughs> yeah, you got to block it to yourself. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's that's what he always talks about. He goes, yeah, you can get as many blocks a game, but if you're giving it back to the other team, what's the point? RJ, I am. I am. I love his philosophy <laughs> on blocks. So just an incredible game. I want to hear some comments here from some of the My players. got higher there, didn't it? I am. Yeah. I am. Well, I just think what a roller coaster in that Bucks game because when you just when you just look at it, just the eye test. I'm a little upset Carter didn't get any playing time. I'm really not. I'm more upset that George out. Hill played. There was there was some yeah, people, George Hill. There were some people who called into Grant's show yesterday and said Carter needed more playing time for them to win. Well, <laughs> that was funny. I think George Hill could have less playing time if Carter wants to get a couple minutes. <laughs> I mean, he was yeah. minus fifteen last night. But George like, Hill is a very intriguing. The, the eye test. You look at way. you look at how everybody played. Obviously, Giannis had some turnovers, which were you, you got to cut down on the turnovers. But overall, he was efficient once again. Mm-hmm. He was getting to the hoop. Scoring obviously was in double digits for rebounds. Outside of him, though, for the most part in that game before the last two minutes, not a whole lot of the other guys around him really passed that eye test. Maybe no. Pat Connaughton was uh, hitting some shots here and there, but I mean Grayson Allen was exposed on defense. Yeah, they were tearing yeah. him Bobby apart. Portis really didn't make too many of the shots that he took. No, nope. there wasn't a whole. Drew Holiday was not very good and not very efficient until the incredible last two minutes. If those last two minutes never happen, I guarantee you we're on here talking about a loss. Yeah. Going back to Milwaukee, not feeling very great about this, wondering if Chris Middleton was going to play or not. Yeah. And just dogging Drew Holiday. Oh, big time. Because he, he outside of those last couple shots he hit and then some of those big plays, the two steals, and then obviously the block. He didn't play very good. No. But he did turn it on in that last two minutes right when they needed him. Yeah. So you do have to tip your cap to him. But it wasn't like he played a super efficient game. The the final two minutes after the L. Horford putback dunk, which was insane, and TD Garden was absolutely rocking, after that, it was championship caliber moves from Drew Holiday, Giannis Dendekumbo, and Bobby Portis. That, I mean, they showed you why they won the championship last year. They they clamped down, and they got it done. I think you can easily say and, and feel pretty confident about this. The Bucks haven't played one solidly good game with everyone yet. No. They really haven't. No, I mean oh, you, you like can say you're you can, talking fully healthy. No, I'm saying as a team, oh, just okay. in general. Okay. They have not played a great game. Well, they've they've actually piss pounded them, but again, like when, it was, the, when the role players are shooting the yeah. ball well, Giannis is really inefficient, like shooting you know less than thirty percent. Yeah, yeah. When Giannis has been really good, most of the role players haven't been very efficient. They haven't put it all together yet. They're still up three to two. Yeah. All right, so I want to play some uh, comments here uh, from Holiday Budenholzer, uh, Giannis, and Bobby Portis as well. Let's start with uh, Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis with that big. Oh, real quick, there he is. There's our guy Barry Richter. The Prince of Wisconsin Hockey. Tell Rowdy that Holiday played a heck of a lot better than in game four. 
says Richter. Barry, well, we got to get the NHL stuff coming up here. We get we'll, <laughs> our minds. Uh, we'll have uh, our my people will call your people Barry. to respond to Barry though. There was only <laughs> one way for him to go. Okay, I'll just text you. Game four was real <laughs> bad for Drew Holiday. Yeah, Drew Holiday. The final two minutes of that game for Drew Holiday redemption. Also, if Bobby you totally redeem yourself, you're talking about Bobby Portis. You're gonna play some clips for him. Can we say that if his mom told him to be the the, the, garbage, uh, man. the garbage man, can we at least give him a nickname like the Trash Man? The like Trash Man from Always Sunny. <laughs> yeah, Frank's <laughs> Frank's wrestling character. I'm the tra- I eat trash. I'm the, I'm the trash, trash man. man. All right. Speaking of trash, well, no trash for Bobby Portis. He was cleaning up the garbage. That uh, what was it? Jalen Brown and Marcus weren't running into each other. Uh, take a listen. Take a listen to Bobby Portis. What his mom told him to be. It's funny stuff on the offensive. Growing class. up as a kid, you know, I really wasn't like never skilled or really um, had like one thing that I really did well. I was always like a like a jack all trades, did everything good but none great. But one thing I always did was add like a high motor, um, big energy. And my mom always told me as a kid just to be a garbage man. And um, being a garbage man is you want scoring opportunities. If you're not getting the ball passed to you, um, you go get the ball on offensive glass. And that's one thing my mom always taught me. Mama knows best. She does. We all know that. Mama knows best. How about a guy who's a who who's a NBA champion? He's in the association. He's getting paid millions of dollars. Said, yeah, I've never really been really good at just quite certain things. I've just kind of been a jack of all trades, just decent in others. The Arkansas trash man. <laughs> I've never really been really great at things. But can you see, you know, like there's always some players in sports where it's like, man, if that guy wasn't playing insert sport here, I could see him being in the WWE. Bobby Portis kind of fits that bill. Totally. He's got, he's got the crazy eyes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love the the rec specs on him. Yeah. Uh, All right. Bobby hides. They're tinted though. I dig it. It hides, it hides the crazy eyes. But Bobby Portis. Also, Sometimes you gotta let those loose. Yeah, let crazy out. Let those crazy eyes breathe. It's like it's if, if so. Stay with me here, RJ. I don't need you to fly off the handle. <laughs> oh, here but we go. Say he rejects a guy twenty feet into the stands, and he just oh. blocks him. Oh, see, I'm okay with it. See, it's just... and he's gonna stare him down. I think you take the goggles off or the little sunglasses. And you stare right at yeah, him with those eyes. But you know that you took him off. That could be a technical You stare foul. into the man's soul. Yeah. Like when Giannis got his tech for staring oh, at the guy. the dumbest oh. tech ever. <laughs> all right, Bobby Portis, though, talks about the offensive rebound, the trash man he that he is. He doesn't even have to say anything. His eyes say it all. Mm-hmm. You just stare right to the man's soul. Bobby Portis talks on the big offensive rebound and the putback for the lead. Um, one of our videographers, um, she um, sent me all the you know game tapes of you know their free throws and where they miss it the most and things like that. And uh, most of the time, Giannis always misses, like, front rim. So I just try to get in the front, somewhere in the front rim, somewhere. And it was just lucky. I was blessed and fortunate that it came to me, um, you know, at that at that moment. So well, there it again, the, the studying the tape. Yeah, Giannis usually misses front well, rim. Okay. Remember when we, <laughs> when we did, like, all those interviews <laughs> with um, talking about the Bulls? Yeah. And the yeah. documentary that they put out on Netflix, The Last Dance. Mm-hmm. Remember when they interviewed uh, Dennis Rodman on there and he goes, when he was playing like Juco basketball is when he really started to understand how the ball comes off the rim. Yeah. So that yeah, you always that. had the inside track to the rebound. And yep. he's like talking about how it was kind of a science. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've bitched about it enough and we've talked about Giannis over the years missing a lot of free throws. Bobby Portis has been there for a couple of years now. He's seen a lot of misses. <laughs> he understands the mean, science he, of the ball. He now the has the science of how he misses. Yep. So, yep. Somehow this year he started making them more. So <laughs> didn't hey, have to do as much. Giannis with the huge free throw, the first free throw before the miss and then the putback from Bobby Portis. All right. Oh, uh, <laughs> Would you say that the those crazy eyes at times when, when Giannis starts making free throws have become kind of lazy? <laughs> a little lazy. A little lazy. All right, so Giannis and Nakumbo, uh, something that, uh, you know, is not still quite, I can't figure out the science behind it, is when Giannis pulls up for a three-pointer. You're like, oh, please, God, no. Come on, man. But he hit two huge ones when it counted he last did. night. Giannis talks about the three-pointers. Might not have been the smartest of plays, <laughs> but it got knocked out. If down. you're not confident and comfortable enough to take that shot, you know, for a person that is being criticized for uh, his uh, shooting, you don't take that shot. You wait, you give the ball to the point guard, you have like a full play, you set a pick and roll, so everybody touches, driving kicks, find the open shot, find the open man, try to get a good shot. But as I said, like 
I worked on it, you know, I worked on it and um, I, I felt, I felt the ball good in my hand and I was able, you know, I had the, had the nerves at the time to um, take that shot. I mean, Bucks were what, down six points. Giannis gets the ball top of the three-point key and he doesn't hesitate. Switch, switched it. Doesn't hesitate. And that confidence does not lack from Giannis Adenokounmpo. But I think every single fan, including Van Gundy <gasps> on the call, was like, no, 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 no. Yes. Never a doubt. Uh, Giannis says, uh, Giannis <laughs> talks about Drew Holiday. We'll hear from Drew Holiday momentarily. Giannis talks about Drew Holiday, though. So Holiday's, yeah, he had a pretty tough shooting series, you know, leading up. Even last night, a yeah. lot of volume. A Holiday, though, in the final two minutes showed up and showed up huge. Giannis talks about Holiday. You can still count on him to make big plays. Big time plays down the stretch, and, uh, you know, that's what Drew does. It's crazy. Sometimes we take it for granted, you know, but at the end of the day, like, we live or die with uh, Drew making decisions like that, you know, going for a steal, you know, putting his hands you know, in there, like, we've won a, a lot of games with him doing that, and um, those two plays were big time. So I got a tweet here from J.A. Krebs. Our guy Jordan says, Holiday's block was one of the best defensive plays I've ever seen. Smart had a layup, and Holiday said, nah. It was pretty good. Not happening. Drew Holiday, the final two minutes, wow. The, from the three-pointer that he hit, from the block, to throwing it off Marcus Smart, then the steal on Smart to seal the game. Incredible. Yeah, Rowdy? No, I was just going to say with Giannis saying that you have to have confidence to take that shot <laughs> and that he's got basically he's got to have confidence in himself. And if you're a Bucks fan or even just on the Bucks team, you kind of got to ride with that with Giannis and that confidence to take it even as much as you want to scream no, because that's no, the no, guy no, that no. you're going to yes, live yes, or die yes. with. Yeah, I mean, he's one of the greatest players in the world. Yeah, you're going to live or die with what he does. Every single time he pulls up for three, everyone's going to say no, 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 no. And then until when he it goes it, in. You're like, yes, and you're going to go yes, crazy yes, yes. when it happens. Then when he, when he makes it, yes, 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 yes. Show him the O face. But oh, you need oh, you need oh. Giannis to play with that confidence because he carries that every other place on the floor where, yeah, we might bitch about him taking a three, two, three, four times a game, but it's not like it's not like he's there doing it that much. If it is, Bobby Portis should probably slap him. Oh. <laughs> but, like he did Nikola Meritich? But yeah. Well, not quite that hard. <laughs> yeah, it's, we don't want any orbital bones being broken but, like Joel uh, Embiid. But yeah, he's got to play with that type of confidence everywhere on the floor, and he does. Uh, speaking of confidence, Drew Holiday was talking about, we played a clip, I played a clip yesterday of Drew Holiday saying, I'm still going to take my shots. I, I, I'm confident. If I have a shot, I'm going to take it. Drew Holiday took that big three. Uh, what was that to tie the game? I uh, have comment here. Drew Holiday talking about on three pointer to tie it. It was a wide open shot. Um, it was it was a shot where Bobby Pumpfank white guy flew by. Another guy came at him, so they were scrambling. And uh, at that point, I can't really turn it down. It was a wide open shot. It was a good look for me and shoot with confidence. And I mean, every shot that I take, I think is going in. I'm pretty mad when I miss him because I feel like they should have went in. So Obviously. really, just sat in there and locked in and, and knocked it down. <laughs> And then the confidence definitely as the game got tied at 105. And then a little later, it was the block on Marcus Smart, one of the greatest defensive plays. Drew Holiday is just all over the place last night. Here is uh, Holiday talking about his block on Smart. I just saw Marcus drive and Pat kind of cut him off. And he felt like he couldn't see Jalen Brown behind him. So um, I just went up for extra protection and, and got the block. And then on saving the ball off Smart, so he blocks it, and then the ball's about to go out of bounds. He jumps, takes it, throws it off Smart, Bucks possession. I mean, yeah, I didn't want to hit it and make it go out of bounds. I wanted to keep it inbound. I think it's just kind of, like you said, instinctual. Uh, it's not like I planned it out or anything. Just went after it. So, yeah, just try to grab it. All right, so the Bucks boys, we were talking about this, and one more, two more from Drew Holiday quickly. So there was a point in the fourth quarter the Bucks are down 14 points, and I was ready to just start, you know, crying, crying a little bit and – I was like, ah, unbelievable, dude. Nah, nah, nah. You know, I'm just bitching to myself. And then the Bucks start chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. Al Horford then hits that big putback dunk with about two, a little over two minutes left. And I thought that was uh, another turning point where the Bucks were going to be, you know, losing. Start chipping away, chipping away. Well, that's because we we forgot about one of the big cardinal rules of NBA basketball. Game doesn't start till the last five minutes. Exactly, and then the last. And you got to make sure you tune into those last five minutes. Yep. Yep. Drew Holiday says, despite being down fourteen at one point in the fourth, they never panicked. Honestly, we was in timeout talking about there's a lot of time left. Uh, we've seen fourteen points decimate just like that. We know it's the playoffs, and we know this is a great offensive team and defensive team. But we've also done it ourselves, where we've been up and, and teams have walked us down and kind of came back. So we just always stay with that confidence that there's always going to be time left, and we take care of business. We we'll always give ourselves a chance. I love it, dude. And one more, uh, we'll go to Mike Budenholzer very quickly here. Budenholzer talks about Drew Holiday, just the block that was. 
Yeah, just a great inst- instinctive play by Drew. Smart just, you know, looked, had an angle, um, drove the baseline, and, you know, it's a big-time play. That's what Drew, um, you know, is very capable of. And Budenholzer does talk about Holiday being a winner. He's a winner. Drew Holiday's oh, a winner. Oh, I like that. Ask any player in this league, any coach in this league, he's a winner. What is he? He's a winner. Thank you, bud. He's what? Drew Holiday's a winner. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. Oh, one more from Budenholzer. Budenholzer talks about, you know, they just allowed eight points over the final eight minutes of the game. No, we got to, you know, look at the film. We just, you know, I think guys dug in. A lot of guys played, you know, individual defense, the pride, the effort. I'm sure we'll look at the film. They probably missed a couple that, you know, they they feel like are good looks, you know. So we just got to try and make them them earn everything and and have more of those stretches defensively um, from the start to the end. You know how some coaches, they have like those distinct voices where it's like, man, this guy sounds like he does yeah, nothing but scream <laughs> or this guy sounds like he smokes two packs a day. Yeah. What's Boonholzer? Boonholzer sounds like a guy that just rolled out of bed and he's like, yeah, I'm yeah. kind of tired, hey, but uh, my favorite, here. my favorite, I'm here. Like Greg Gard, I'm here. I'm here. My favorite is Mike Boonholzer, like the in-game interviews between quarters. He's like, yeah. Just got to execute a little better. Doesn't he sound like he just rolled out of bed and, so, and someone's asking him a bunch of questions? He's just kind of like, yeah, kind of like rubbing the sleepies out of his eyes. Well, let's hear one more <laughs> then, Rowdy, real quick. Um, so Al Horford, the big putback dunk with about you know, a little over two minutes left. I think that would jolt someone wide awake, right? Let's hear uh, Budenholzer talking about how Milwaukee bounced back after uh, Horford's big dunk. We talk about you know having high character guys, having competitive guys and those are things that are hard to like quantify and feel and everything but uh, you know it's a big play by Horford and but you know we were able to make some big plays behind it, you know able to turn it. So it's just you know credit to our players. Um, we just got to keep the same mindset. We got to keep coming. We got to be ready. Uh, you know, for the next game. I think I know what it is, Rowdy. I think th- I think that was like a question asked to him like two to three hours after being awake. He sounded more alert. Than yeah, just day. a great inst- instinct. He's a winner. <laughs> Drew Holiday's a winner. <laughs> I think what it is, Rowdy, you know, the Bucks always have that let's not get too high, not get too low mentality. That's Mike Budenholzer. Not too high, not too low. <laughs> Monotone. Monotone. Not too high, not too low. <laughs> Our guy, Rob Reichel, Forbes.com, Conley Media. Rob, hey, what's up, brother? Well, happy schedule day, boys. Yeah, it comes out, what, 7 o'clock tonight, yeah? Yeah, we'll get we'll get leaks all day long, and uh, they'll put the finishing touch on, touches on it, you know, at, at dinner time or a little bit later. But, yes, we're, uh, you know, we'll probably know half the league schedule by that point in time, the way this, this day works now. It's, it's it's pretty wild, isn't it? So uh, it, is, it is wild. I just, like, just release it to it. I don't want to be held hostage here by the NFL, but I guess I am every year yep. on it. Uh, but, Rob, we do know a little something, something. The Green Bay Packers obviously going to London week five to take on the Giants. But how about this? A highly successful NFL head coach, nobody's underdog. Mike McCarthy and the Dallas Cowboys, what, week 10 coming to Lambeau? Woohoo! What do we think? Big Mike! Well, I anticipate seeing you there that day, Evo, with, you, with your big coat on with a star on the back of it. Right hey, there. hey now. Hey Come now. On, that's, all, that's all good. You got to support your man. That's. Hey, yeah, that, that, hey that, I stand that, by that, my that, man when he's wearing the green and gold, okay? That, that has been your all-time favorite coach, and there is nothing wrong with that. I and love Mike McCarthy. He'll just have a couple jelly donuts stand, in the parking lot in honor. Hey, Rob, I think you're right. Dude, last time I went to a game at Lambeau was the day Mike McCarthy or the night Mike McCarthy got fired. So it's just, I, it's just, I, it's just apropos for me to go back the day he comes back. Well, you you 100% need to be in the building that day. There, there, there's no question, and 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 maybe even the le- the week leading up, you need to get a media credential and and head down to Dallas and express your love for the big guy down there. Well, Rob, but, uh, I actually kind of did one. So um, yeah, this is the thing, Rob. He <laughs> said he was going to jump because I was a, I was a Rosen guy. I liked him out of the draft. Josh Rosen. You know, he said if Josh Rosen and the crappy Cardinals beat the Packers, I will jump from the second story in Lambeau. That's because where my uncle's season tickets are, that new that new uh, balcony they built a couple yep, years ago. Yep, yep. Uh, he's the front row, so I could have just dive-bombed off well, of it. Well, he's still here, and I never yeah. saw any broken ankles. So I Just a broken heart when Big Mike was fired, <laughs> you know? 
But Rob, well, I, I, think, I think we're all happy how that turned out. Yes, we I, don't, we I don't need Emo jumping from anywhere. Well, hey, 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 Mike McCarthy's got a better record in NFC Championship games and Super Bowls than Matt Lafleur. I'm just saying. <laughs> God. I'm just well, saying. And, and Aaron Rodgers, right? I'm just, so. I'm just saying. But Rob, uh, real quick, uh, last thing on Mike McCarthy. Uh, so uh, he was huge in the community with the American Family Children's Hospital. Like yep. he, he raised millions and millions of dollars. Like he's got a big heart. Obviously, he's a big boy. But Rob, I engineered and manufactured a handshake with Mike McCarthy. So he was there for the American Family Children's Hospital and he was going on our sister station Q106 and I I gave my phone to one of our co-workers I'm like alright here's what I'm going to do I'm going to quote unquote accidentally stand in his way so he's got to say excuse me to me so I stood like in his way when he's going up the stage and I handed my phone to one of our guys I was like I'm going to turn around and say and act surprised and ask for a handshake when I shake his hand you take the picture so I did it Rob I stood in his way he kind of tapped me on the shoulder he goes oh hey there excuse me and I go oh Coach McCarthy, nice to meet you. Gave me the handshake, and the effing dude who was supposed to take the picture, his fat fingers were too slow, Rob. All he got was me cheesing, grinning ear to ear as Mike McCarthy looked like, who in the hell is this loser shaking my hand? It was pretty good, Rob. It was pretty good, Robbie. That's, it's, it's a good story other than the ending, Evo. Yeah. <laughs> He's literally the third most disgusted guy uh, Mike McCarthy uh, was upset with leaving uh, Green Bay. It was Rodgers, probably Mike, uh, Mark Murphy, and then Evo. <laughs> And then Evo three, and you know what? He'll get he'll get to make amends at least with, with two of the three when he yeah. when he comes back here in week ten and, and gets a chance to to right go and get, go and get his revenge and stick it back up Green Bay's tail, right? Um, well, yeah, totally. Hey, Rob, I have to ask you on this, so we'll get into actually things that matter here. Uh, I want to talk. You know, Ian Rappaport was talking about these wide receivers that would make sense with the Packers. Uh, but before we get into that, I did see uh, a different talking head, Jason Lacanfora, saying that the Vikings were he had, had them picked to win the NFC North and the Packers as a potential wild card team. What do you think about that? You know, this time of the year, guys, who cares, right? Everybody has opinions, and they're like noses. We all have them. I mean, good Lord, who who, who cares what Jason you know, what I care what Rob Reichel says. Thanks on me. I, I I get it. And, you know, and, and, and Evo, I, I mean, let, let's be honest. They, they've won 13 games three years in a row. They're not as good coming into 2022, top to bottom on that roster, as, as they were the last couple of years. I mean, I thought their best chance to win a Super Bowl clearly was 2020 when they had Tampa Bay uh, in, in their backyard and, um, you know, had every chance to win that football game. And, and we saw that, you know, uh, Tampa Bay went on to beat the Chiefs uh, two weeks later, 31-9. to nine. That was, you know, the, the winner of that NFC title game was probably going to win that Super Bowl. And um, it, it played out that way that Tom Brady and the group, you know, beat Aaron Rodgers and his people. Um the wide receiver is, is still such a huge issue in Green Bay, Evo. We'll, we'll try to combine those two questions together um, that it, it, it will be hard for them, you know, to win 12, 13 games again with the, this current group of, of wideouts that they have. And, um, unless Brian Gutekunst has another play, uh, you know, another move up his sleeve, the, the, this group that he's going to bring into the 2022 season that he's assembled today, guys, and we've talked about this, is a whole lot of number three and four and five wide receivers. There's not a number one or a two on the roster. Christian Watson's going to eventually be one of those guys. Um, but I wrote a story the other day, guys, at, at Forbes about just the struggles that really dominant, outstanding receivers in Green Bay over the last 20 years, the, the Devontae Adams, the Donald Drivers, the Greg Jennings, the Jordy Nelson, the Randall Cobbs of the world, just how how much of a struggle it's been for them as rookies. They've all turned into Packer Hall of Fame players, and 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 they'll all end up in the in the Packer Hall of Fame. Donald Driver holds all the records. You know, right now, Devontae Adams would have caught him for most of those records had he stayed in Green Bay another three, four years. Um, you know, we, we know how dominant Nelson was, and, and Cobb had a stretch there from 2014-15 range where he was outstanding, and, and Jennings made three Pro Bowls. But, but guys... Those, those five wide receivers averaged about 30 catches and about 400 yards and, and three touchdowns as a group as rookies. So as good as Watson's going to be, and guys, I, I think he's going to wind up being really good, it's not going to be in 2022. So can you go and win football games next year with, with Alan Lazard and, and Sammy Watkins and, and maybe somebody else you still pick off 
you know, pick up off the street and throw on the ball to the running backs 12, 14 times a game, um, praying that Robert Tunyon comes back and he's 80% of the Robert Tunyon you saw in, in 2020. Maybe, guys, but it, 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 it's going to be awfully tough against uh, the elite, the creme de la creme of the league. So, um, Evo, um, the Vikings are probably the only team in the division with a legitimate chance to, to, catch, to catch Green Bay. Detroit's still obviously in a massive rebuild. Chicago's going through changes, you know, at, at, at their management positions and don't have a lot around Justin Fields at, at this point in time. Oh, by the way, the Bears um, just signed Nathan Peterman, I, too. Yeah, I, I would still certainly pick Green Bay, Evo, to win that division. But, but I'll tell you what, I wouldn't pick Green Bay to win the NFC West. I wouldn't pick Green Bay to win the NFC South. I would say Green Bay, Dallas, and the NFC East is a coin toss. Green Bay just benefits from the fact right now they play in the worst division in the conference. Well, Rob, I think that's it's just quite the 180 from what I feel like Viking fans and some of the rumors that were going on just a handful of months ago. You had obviously a, a, a change up in the front office in the in the head coaching position. And now you're you're talking about weren't they talking about shipping off Kirk Cousins and potentially looking at a trading Delvin Cook now to being picked to win the division? Well, I mean, I'll tell you what. And, and had they been able to find a taker and to get some of that money off the books, I, I, I'm not so sure Minnesota wouldn't have jumped at that opportunity. The flip side is, you know, that that Cousins contract is such a killer. Not not a lot of teams would would have wanted it, and, and obviously didn't want it. Now. <sighs> Those are really good football players. Obviously, Cook's a, a high, high, high-level running back. He's a top three or four in the league, guys. Cousins is probably between 12 and 16, I would say, at, at quarterback. But the, the, the dilemma you would have had in Minnesota, guys, is has that group taken you as far as you can go? I mean, is are they going to max out at 9, 10 wins? That's not a Super Bowl roster by any stretch of the imagination in Minnesota. But, you know, they've made some interesting uh, acquisitions in free agency, obviously led by Zadaria Smith, who's who's going to want to come back and, and sack number twelve about four times a game when he when he gets a chance to see him. Um, they're certainly the second best team in the division, guys, on paper at worst. Um, sure. But again, I, I I still think there's a substantial gap personally between Green, yeah. Green Bay and Minnesota. Agreed. But guys, I, I you know the problem for Packer fans is nobody cares anymore if you win the NFC. NFC it's called North. Title Town, right, Rob? Not NFC North Town. Absolutely, it's it's how do you beat the Rams now? How do you beat how do you beat the Buccaneers? Uh, how do you beat the 49ers for once in the playoffs? Right, that that's what the fan base yeah. cares about. So, Robbie, let me ask you this: maybe something that would uh, the fan base also cares about who the uh, Aaron Rodgers is throwing the ball to. So, Ian Rappaport was on the Pat McAfee show earlier this week, and we kind of talked about it a little bit yesterday. And it was uh, three names for wide receivers: it was Jarvis Landry, Julio Jones, and Odell Beckham Jr. All would make sense for the Packers, and uh, you know Odell was apparently interested last year. Jarvis Landry's you know waiting for a big contract. I don't know how big of a contract the Packers can give. And, um, you know, Julio Jones, maybe a, a decade ago would look great for the Packers, but a little older now. Uh, any of those make sense? Any of those could work when it comes to the Packers, money-wise, salary cap, and, you know, just a fit? Evil, I think they'd have to make another move to, to, to make the let, – let's take, let, let's take Landry, for example, okay? I, the last I looked, which was four or five days ago – the Packers were about fifteen and a half million under the cap, but they need about twelve to thirteen to sign the draft picks. Okay, so that's going to leave them, let's call it three million dollars. Uh, I mean, Landry's not going to come and play in Green Bay for three million dollars, and, and and nor should he. I mean, when when we look at you know, I, I know Landry had an off year last year in Cleveland, you know, but but, but Cleveland. five six years prior to that, I'm just looking at it here, Evo. Here here's his six six years prior to that for receptions one ten. 94, 112, 81, 83, 72. That's going to average out to about 90 catches a year. He only had 52 last year. I don't think that's because he's a player in dramatic decline. I think that's because of the quarterback situation yeah. and their run-first offense, obviously, in Cleveland. Landry could help. You know, we, we talk about a guy, you know, nobody on the roster right now being a one or a two guys. Landry would be a two at worst. He, he'd be a He'd be a bad number one. He'd be a really, really good number two. But with $3 million, you're not going to find a way to sign him. So what Kudikos is going to do, guys, obviously, he's going to wait till post-June 1 
when when that when uh, when when the free agents when that when that period ends, mm-hmm. and and he's going to try to get guys you know from from the bargain bin out there. Landry's not going to be one of those. I I don't necessarily see Landry as a real potential fit. Julio, yes, you could probably bring him really in on the cheap. OBJ coming off the knee, could you get him for that amount of money? Probably not. So again, I I say you're going to have to make a second move. Well, let's look up and down the roster, right? Who's probably the most susceptible guy right now on the roster at about seven, eight million dollars a year? To me, it's Steve Lowry because you just drafted a defensive end in round one. You, you could pick up, you know, the cap money you need to bring in a wide receiver if you moved on from from Lowry. You still have some reasonable depth up there, guys. You know, you you drafted Slate as the nose uh, nose tackle a year ago. You just drafted Jonathan Ford this year in the, in the seventh round. Another nose. You, you've got some other pieces up there. Um, if, if something like that, Ebo and, and Nelly, that might have to happen uh, for them to bring in one of these wide receivers, and it certainly could uh, because I just don't think you're going to get a guy coming off the street like uh, like an OBJ or a Landry to play for your price tag. Robbie, the Julio Jones talk for me is starting to just get tiresome, almost like the A.J. Green from a couple of years ago. And I think they're kind of in the same boat at this point in their careers. But that's what I was going to ask you. It's like if the the Packers want to go out and make a moves, they actually have to carve out some salary cap space. And you mentioned Dean Lowry, but what is taking so long? Or is it just a matter of time for them to extend Jair and save between, I believe it was like six and a half and nine and a half million dollars, depending on how they work it. Well, you know, you, you've got to get two to tango. A lot of things. You, you guys know the old saying too, right? Uh, deadlines for action. I, I, I'm sure for both sides, they're going to give it up till the start of training camp, and, and usually that's when things shut down and and they stop talking. That's what happened a year ago with, with Devonte. I, I, I would assume behind the scenes, guys, this, this is priority number one at this point, or certainly in the top two or three, is to get that contract done and, and lock him up for the long term you save yourself some salary cap money that way guys if uh if they can go ahead and get get alexander done because they will obviously structure it you know where where his 2022 money doesn't hurt you near as much on the books as is as it would have right now if, if if he's playing for for the money on on his initial rookie contract so i would still certainly think that's going to get done before camp uh, Nelly, ha- have some patience, I guess, a little bit on that one. It's only, it's only May 12th. They, they've got some time to work on that. And and I don't see a lot of people, guys, around the league uh, who are going to go out and chase these wide receivers that are out there. They're going to – they're gonna the, uh, these teams that just finished the draft, guys, they're, they're going to let the, 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 the rookie camps, the mini camps, the OTAs kind of play themselves out. They might even let two weeks of training camp play itself out before they, you know, make a call to a to an old man like like a Julio Jones or or or, or a guy coming off a D like an OBJ or Bring in Cole or Beasley. A, a, Give me Cole a, Beasley, Rob. Well, well, Robbie, outside of your Jair Alexander extension and potentially the cutting of Dean Lowry yep. post June first, there's only a, a few other things that they really can do, and it's all nickel or dime type stuff. But as much as we complain about the receivers, and I do think they add at least one veteran guy post June first. At least we're not the Bears who enter camp with Darnell Mooney, <laughs> Byron Pringle, the draft pick in Velius Jones, St. Brown. I mean, it only gets worse from there. Boy, I, I tell you what, though, it, 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 it's probably flip a coin between those two right now, though, Evo, or I'm sorry, Nelly, you know, in terms of, 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 of which group is probably more unsavory, isn't it? I mean, uh, they at least have a young uh, ascending player there in, in, in Mooney that I think they can they can build that group around. I mean, if if, if the season started today, is, is Green Bay's number one Sammy Watkins? I mean, but I mean it's 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 a bad bunch. And that that's why I do still think Gutekunst has a has a move up his sleeve. If if they're in a win now, um, if if they're on this tight timeline, guys, where, where they absolutely you know feel they have to chase a title uh, in in these last two or three years that they'll have Aaron Rodgers. I just they cannot go into the end of the season into week one with this group of wide receivers. I, I'm I'm with you, Nelly. I, I still think they're going to add a guy, whether that comes off the street or a trade. Uh, you know, whether they let things play out 
through training camp and and now we get to say August 15th or August 20th and there's a team out there that loves how their how their young wide receivers are progressing and they've, they've got a 31 year old guy that that they say you know what we, we, we can live just fine without him and Gutekunst can steal him for a third or a fourth round draft pick I I, I would still be shocked Nelly, if, if this is the group they line up and try to play football with in week one. So, all right, Rob. Uh, if it is, it's not good, Rob. Yeah. I'll no, say it's, it's better terrible. than the Bears, but it's definitely bottom five. <laughs> Rob, we'll see how it all plays out. You know, there's some things that are going to, you know, happen here in this uh, time being until what, what OTAs start back up later this month, and then, you know, we'll see it all where everything falls, the dust settles. Rob, before I let you go, we love you at Forbes.com, Conley Media, Rob Reichel on Twitter. I need your reaction. The roller coaster ride that was the Milwaukee Bucks Boston Celtics last night. What did Robbie think as the Bucks were down 14 points and then eventually won the game? Well, you guys know me. I rarely tweet about the Bucks. So for me, me to get so fired up that I was on Twitter firing off tweets about about that win. Um, it, it, it was one of the five best wins I and I, and I have Classic. followed the Bucks religiously, guys, for 50 years Classic. or 45 years. Um, you know, since I was a little kid. It was one of the five best wins to me in franchise history. It, it rivaled that win over Phoenix, guys, in the, in the finals last year, you know, where Giannis had the huge block at, at the end of the game. What Holiday did there, guys, and, in, 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 you know, in the, the, the last two plays defensively that he made on, on Flop and Smart. Um, Marcus Flop. Marcus Flop, yep, exactly, was, was absolutely remarkable. Remember, too, he hit a key three down the stretch as they were as they were chasing him down. I mean, we, we saw last night, guys, who the best two-way guard in the NBA is. And, and, and anybody that hadn't been paying attention should have figured that out last night. What that guy does on both ends of the floor, I mean, he, I was arguing this with somebody a couple weeks ago who was telling me the Marcus Johnson trade for, for Terry Cummings and, and, and Paul Pierce and Craig Hodges was the best trade in franchise history, and I said, not a chance. I said, them getting Holiday is the best trade in the history of the franchise, and he proved it again last night. I mean, guys, that was that was absolutely remarkable. Boston might be the better team, but Milwaukee, I think, is going to find a way to steal this series. It's uh, it, 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 It's been just incredible drama. This, this, guys, we might look back and say this was the NBA Finals. Yeah. This, is, this is that good of a series, and, and that win last night, um, you know what I thought, guys? For every game that Green Bay has choked away here in the, in the last 10 or 15 years, the Bucks are the exact opposite. They find a way to win those games. Wow. They, they have remarkable intestinal fortitude, especially down the stretch, guys. And it's, it's, it's been just a ton of fun to watch. Robbie, real quick, could you imagine having this same exact discussion 10 years ago? No. Not a chance. <laughs> Rob, not, not a chance. And, I, guys, I hope someday we have it with the Brewers, too. Yeah. Rob, uh, when we do have it with the Brewers, you'll be on. would be the theme song for Terminator 2 Judgment Day and I'll couple that with this quote from Terminator 1 now think of Giannis as the Terminator as I do here you go understand that Terminator is out there it can't be bargained with it can't be reasoned with it doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear and it absolutely will not stop, ever, until you are dead. Well, until the Boston Celtics are dead in the NBA's playoffs. George Bolecci joining us from Ness. And George, what's up, my brother? Ebo, I don't know how I follow the most incredible 30 seconds of radio in the entirety <laughs> of the world after that. Well, my here's how God. you do it. You're gonna, now it's going to be the most incredible radio. Uh, we're going to one-up what just happened with you, George. All right, all right, I like it, I like it. But, Ebo, what's up? Uh, not the Celtics spirit, not the spirit of Boston. Not only, not only did the Celtics choke away a 14-point lead in the fourth quarter at home to go to Milwaukee, up 3-2 in the series, and have two games to close it out, Boston Red Sox got walked off by the Atlanta Braves literally 30 minutes after <laughs> that game finished. So when I say we are at an all-time low in Boston – we are at an all-time low in Boston. Meanwhile, Oof. you guys got that win, and Christian Yelich for the cycle. Okay, yesterday. yeah, but they what lost to the Reds, on? fourteen to eleven. So there's that. All right, that's that's terrible. That is actually that's, terrible. It's pretty bad, George. Hey, George. Okay, so obviously, love your Twitter account, George Balekji, B A L E K J I. George on it. This was uh, two minutes and six seconds. This was just immediately after Al Horford came screaming down the lane and threw down just a vicious put back dunk. I even got out of my seat and was like, damn, what was TD Garden like 
Because you were there soaking it all in. What was TD Garden like when Horford threw that dunk down? I'm, I'm not even saying this because of all the questionable officiating we've seen for this series. Could not hear the ref's whistles. The garden was shaking. Couldn't hear the gentleman sitting to my right in media row, a good friend of mine now, Amari, who I, I kid you not, I almost just cursed. I run into this guy in the press elevator. We're looking for where we're sitting. And he's from France. And he parlayed a trip here to stay because he's a writer from France, covered this series and then the Easter Conference Finals. And he tells me he's a Bucks fan. And I assume <laughs> it's going to be followed up with because I love Giannis Antetokounmpo. It was followed up with Drew Holiday is my favorite player ever. To which I said, they need Drew to play a lot better if they want to win tonight. And then yeah. he did that. But to answer your question, the garden was what you expected. Unhinged, hostile, lethal. But then at the end of the night, it was dead silent. Yeah, that's what I wanted to know. Like Bobby, to... Bobby Digital on the offensive board. It was insane. <laughs> Bobby, Di- are, you a, are you a RZA guy? You a Wu-Tang fan guy? Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, I love it all. I love all music, but hip-hop is my background. I mean, Bobby so, yeah, Digital, that's, that's RZA's dick. Oh, my. George, I love you more and more every time we talk, my dude. So that's why I wanted to compare and contrast from the moment that Al Horford threw it down to, yeah, the final whistle uh, when the game concluded. Um, well, with Marcus Smart, with Drew Holiday, that, that dude's favorite player stepping up with the huge three and then the huge, what was that, block on Marcus Smart and then grabbing the yep. ball, throwing off with Smart, and then the steal on Smart. So with that, I have to ask, dude, what, as you were covering the Boston Celtics, what was Marcus Smart saying after the game on the podium? Before he even got to that final play, well, so it was a, obviously – play that they were running. It was an ATO as well. And he said it point blank. Guys were just standing around. People were in their spots. So the credit to the Bucks defense for countering whatever he may had set up. For him, at that point, he's looking for a shot. Not a great shot. Not a bad shot. And I'll go back to when Marcus Smart won Defensive Player of the Year. The first thing that crossed my mind is when will Drew Holiday get his? Because that guy's been one of the best defenders in the league since he stepped foot in the NBA. But what he was saying after when it came down to offensive rebounds, he said right there, that was the game. Not just on Bobby Portis's put back off the Giannis Smith that gave him the lead, but at the same time, just them constantly crashing the offensive boards. The Bucks were minus 13 on rebounds overall, minus 12 on the offensive boards. Bobby Portis had seven of Milwaukee's 17. He didn't have a good offensive game, but he was the GOAT when it came to getting a double-double, having those offensive boards, and Milwaukee overall finished with 22nd chance points last mm-hmm. night. So for him, the way he sounded, and it was credit to him, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, the senior leadership that they have, is saying you got to digest this, learn from it, sleep on it, watch a film, and then move forward because the way they look at it is we have one game we have to win on Friday. They don't look at two games. They look at one game. So he knows he owned it, that the loss is on them. It's on them not crashing the offensive boards. Now is he going to go out and say this is all on me? And I don't think it's all on Marcus Smart. But that was just a hell of a play by Drew Holiday. To go block it, catch it, and throw it off your man, that's instinctual. That is yeah. one of the greatest defenders of all time making a play. That is something that is so iconic. And the moment that happened, my same buddy Amari, who's a Drew Holiday fan, he was smiling ear to ear. I turned to him and said, go back to last year in the finals when he ripped the ball away from Devin Booker and he had that oop to Giannis, makes a play like that. The Bucks yeah. are not where they are without Drew Holiday. Incredible. George Belecci joining us right now from Ness and covering the Boston Celtics. So, George, uh, I'm, I'm looking at this, and I've always thought this was a dumb radio topic and it's pretty stupid, but I think I can get behind it now from a, a Boston Celtics point of view. Is game six... Tomorrow night at the Pfizer Forum, a must-win for the Boston Celtics? Uh, I, I would think so, because if they don't, then their season's over. So I would say definitely a must-win. I, I just can't stand what it's like, is tonight a must-win? My philosophy is it's the playoffs. Every game is a must-win. But yes, it yeah. is. So, George, when it comes to this, I mean, I would love to see you in, Milwaukee, you know, in our great state of Wisconsin tomorrow. Are you making the trip up here, or are you just staying back at home base there in Boston? <laughs> Staying back in the moment. I need you to negotiate harder, my agent. I need you to negotiate harder. Well, it's funny because uh, (laughs) uh, Jocko joined us yesterday and we were talking about the news of Tom Brady making $375 million for 10 years in the broadcast booth. And we were, I was trying to negotiate for him about getting his own private jet or helicopter and a nice contract. So I'm going to do the same for you. I just take a small contingent fee of 10% if that's okay. That's fine. If you give me the 375 mil, take it 10%. I'll move back to Wisconsin. We will buy the entire 
Dane County with that one. <laughs> Let's do it. That's one of the fine things in Ebo's contract. Ten percent for that Ebo guy. Yep. Uh, the big man gets the, the big man gets a cut. Okay. Big man gets a cut. Hey, George. So we've seen the Boston Celtics though respond and win. The hell, they wanted the Pfizer form uh, not too long ago, earlier this week. What's the uh, what's the level then? Obviously, it's a must win for them because if they lose, they're done. What is it like? Was it uh, contentious there in the podium with the locker room for the guys, or was it like, hey man, we've been here before. We've won games on the road. We can still do this. What, what's George Belexi say? It was definitely the latter. You still saw some calmness because the Celtics know they played a good game until the final 10 minutes of the fourth quarter. So what they have to pay their attention to is obviously them playing better. But at the same time, when I hopped on this uh, beautiful radio show with you guys before mm. the series ever began, I said, if Giannis goes out and gets, you know, 27, 28 points, and 12 rebounds a game, the Celtics, excuse me, will be sitting pretty. But 42 points, 34 points, 40 points. The longer this series drags out, the more that Giannis has figured out this defense. He's figured out Grant Williams as his defensive rating has dropped. Al Horford was contained in the, in the offense yesterday, which is insane to think about how big of a play that was for the Bucks to pull this out. So for them, it is, it's a lot of moving forward, and it's a cliche, but this is how professional they are. Yeah. I asked Jason Tatum point blank because they bounced back twice. They're a great bounce-back team. But I asked them last night point blank, you bounced back your first two games, but this is an elimination game in Milwaukee. What's the pressure like for your team? And he said, it's not like that. We're not looking at it that way. We're moving forward. We have one game to win. It's Friday. That's the message he's going to tell to his guys. So there is that would say experience shining through of them saying we can bounce back they've been in this spot before plenty of times earlier in the season and credit to him Jalen Brown played phenomenally well last night Jason Tatum needs to find his three-point shot but he played good overall needs to be better at playmaking and they had guys like Derek White and Marcus Smart step up so there is a concentration there is poise there is you could see the veteran leadership shining through that there wasn't panic at the podium, but you know when it comes down to Pfizer form, and it's funny because people that have been making the trips out there, people here in Boston that have been watching the games, they're like, yo, that place gets loud. I'm like, yeah, you guys don't know about Pfizer in Deer District. 17, 18,000 people sitting on the edge of their seats for every play and locked into this game. It's going to be really tough, but the Celtics have that experience that they can make it a fight, and it's going to be more like a game four, more like a game three than it will be a game one or a game two. I can't wait. Sure. I can't wait for tomorrow night. George, uh, for you and, you know, great Twitter account, great Instagram account, great TikTok account. Uh, I was uh, looking at your Instagram story and it was, uh, uh, you had, what was the caption? You were there in the press box looking down on TD Garden. It was a, <clears throat> a quick moan of, of, of self-reflection or whatever. For you personally, George, uh, what was it like to see that game unfold and just to know that that's your job is to be there covering it? What was it like for you personally watching that all unfold? That was, that was literally it. And I think it was, it was a very random timeout. If I could tell you the exact moment of the game, I can't. And there's nothing even happening on the floor. I just see like a Corona commercial on the Jumbotron, <laughs> which is all I wanted to drink after seeing them choke that game away. But it's just looking down like I'm at TD Garden watching the Celtics take on one of the greatest players to ever step on the floor in Giannis Tentacumpo. And I just know if I go back to 17-year-old George in Wayne, New Jersey, who's calling his first high school basketball game, she'd be like, yeah, it's a joke. There's no way you ever do that. So that's what it is. I mean, How cool to though, cover man. that, uh, it felt great. And it, it, to cover that game was insane. Just seeing, I mean, it was a historic choke, but it was also a historic comeback. And you just see what Giannis does. It was the threes. He's shooting threes. And I'm saying, why does he keep shooting those? And then the audacity Same. in response to the Al Horford dunk with a three that made it a one possession game. Then Drew comes back dead eye yeah. in your eye, ties it up at 105. It just shows that those guys are winners. Like Budholzer said last night, and what Drew Holiday does, he still offensively wasn't efficient. Right. He still has yet to shoot better than 40% in this series. And the Bucks. At no point in any quarter in last night's game shot better from the floor against the Celtics, but they made the plays when it mattered most. They showed what it is to be championship basketball. It's a cliche. It's killing the offensive boards. It's playing a full 48 minutes, but they showed, especially Giannis and Drew, they got better as the game went on, and the Celtics stagnated on offense and on defense. They got smaller. See, I'm curious, just, just because we know that there's a lot of hardcore fans in all sports for Boston and Boston area, 
But is there still kind of like the rumblings of this is a young team for the Celtics, or is that is that past? Are they like this is championship or bust now? It's championship or bust for sure because mm. this team has the makings of a championship team. I still stand by that entirely. But what are they missing? That 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 guy that could kick them in the rear and say, "Hey, we got to play a full forty-eight minutes." Because the Bucks have seen that when they opened up 0-2 in the series against the Suns in last year's finals, right? When they had to go to seven games against Kevin Durant in the second round of the Eastern Conference Finals. And when they had to go through a dogfight with the Hawks last year, you just pull on that, and they, that's where they pulled from. So this team is definitely championship or bust. And I'm curious with what their window is, because they still have JT and Tatum. They still have Marcus Smart. But you just see the other intricacies of how this roster is built. Meanwhile, for the Bucks, I mean, they have a long window because they have Giannis, but at the same time, this is their win now. Yeah. Hey, we can repeat now. And if we could pull out this series and have a rested Chris Middleton, who potentially could be back for a game seven if necessary, I mean, that's what's huge. So it's, this is no longer a young team because we've seen how good they can be and how they can play like one of the best teams in the league. It's, it's championship or bust now in Boston. George, incredible stuff, dude. Uh, I'm, I, I need you to get up to Madison or I got to get down to Boston. We just got to party. I'll bring uh, young Ben Kenny with me, too, and Rowdy. I think you'd technically be shipping up to Boston. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ben, any, any chances that you'd want to make a road trip to Boston with uh, Nelly and I to go see Georgie? I mean, I'll make a road trip to Boston. I don't yeah. know if I'll bring you. Well, I, wow. Well, I, I thought I was going to drive. So maybe I'm I'll kidding. Just leave I would love to. <laughs> George, we miss you up here, man. And uh, bet, have Heck, you told, we might even end up flying the plane. Did, yeah. Uh, there's a guy. I don't think you guys saw the story. Some some random dude. The pilot passed out. The guy had to step up and he landed a plane. Ben, did you tell George your uh, fiasco over what happened? Yeah. Yeah, I did yesterday. George joined the Bill Michaels show. I texted him before. Uh, last night, the apartment was at a cool 81. George, in, when you, in your time in Madison, any uh, bad landlord stories at all that wouldn't turn the AC on or anything? Or uh, you just no, flash them no. a couple winks and they do whatever you wanted to no. do? No. Let me say this. Sovereign Apartments on, oh, my God, oh, my God, uh, Sheboygan Avenue, right by the Red Cross building. Great apartment. Uh, <laughs> the management there was phenomenal. You know, not the nicest apartment, but great location right by that nice outdoor mall. All these names are escaping me. Great landlords in Madison okay. at Sovereign Apartments. So anyone looking for a place to live, go there. <laughs> I love that I just plugged that. I, I love that you plugged it, too. Hey, we're all for it. And, George, I got a little ZZ Top sharp-dressed man playing because you are the sharper-dressed man I've ever seen on the Twitter sphere. George, promise me one thing, though. Don't dye your hair green like Marcus Smart if the Celtics do end up winning the series, okay? Well, hey, Evo, I saw on your Instagram throwback photos wearing an affliction shirt. So you're sharp-dressed man yourself, ah, brother. Yeah, that was, that's I, a tough hey, look. That was 2007 when I worked at the Buckle. That was peak 2013 New Jersey, let me tell you that. Oh, dude, I was ahead of those guidos, dude. Come on. Can I throw a final comment at George quickly? Yeah, of course. Uh, George, can we admit that Marcus Smart is who everyone thinks Brad Davison was in college? Oh my God! No, are you kidding me? Uncontrollably kidding me? flopping. I, 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 this is maybe the first time in the history of me coming on this phenomenal program. I may hang up. Well, I mean, you, you know your commercial breaks because we got it coming up, Georgie. We love you, buddy. Love you, boys. Much love. There's George Balakshi Nesson. Follow him on Twitter, George Balakshi. Instagram, TikTok. He's the man.